0: Hey, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for checking out our sermons online. I want to let you know whether this is your first time watching one of our sermons or you're just reviewing a sermon as you've heard here on the campus. I welcome you, but I do want to let you know we have a core value at Coastal Community Church and that core value is that you find a local church to be a part of. And so, uh, if this, Hopefully this sermon series or this sermon is supplementing your spiritual growth, but I want to encourage you to find a, a local church. If you live in the Yorktown, Virginia area, we would love for you to visit us. We have three services, uh, 8 o'clock, nine thirty, and 11, and we meet at 101 Village Avenue. Thank you so much for checking out this sermon online. I hope it encourages your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. All right, let me introduce to you our guest speaker. I am... Um... I can't tell you how special this person is to me. There's hundreds and hundreds of you that have never met him because since we moved in our new location, we've grown so much. But when I was a 30 year old pastor meeting in Grafton High School for eight years, man, I ran into some pitfalls as a young pastor and, and God in his grace brought me a guy that was a little bit older than me that taught me a lot about, I guess, organization and how to organize a church in a healthy way so that the gospel of Jesus Christ could go forward. He taught me things like process, how do you process a tough decision? Um, he taught me things like see the end from the beginning and, and, and how does that affect your everyday life. And, and through that time, man, we've become friends. I consider him one of the people that I go to when I need wisdom. And quite frankly, I would even submit myself and my life under his wisdom. And I've done that at times. So I go to him for my marriage, I go to him for my children, I go to him for this church. He knows probably more about this church than you might know that he knows, okay? And uh, he doesn't attend here, he lives in Florida. And, uh, and so I bring him up. Once a year, uh, one—I uh, didn't do it last year because we were trying to build this building out, Alistair. I couldn't afford to bring you. Up. All right. So what? That's how tight it was. All right. So. Uh,
1: now we know. I know. If
0: you. Well, this is your third service. Here's a card for you too. So. Um, just kidding. But. Uh, Alistair uh, planted a church in Zimbabwe that we took a team to go and visit last year. They did their 40th celebration, one of the largest churches in Zimbabwe, and uh, we're praying about partnering with them to do a school. I mentioned that in a sermon a few months ago. We're still kind of kicking that around, investigating that. Uh, he was the president of a Bible college in New York, and, uh, and just a great, great man. He loves you guys probably through me, I guess, but he does, and the elders of Coastal, but he loves you guys. He loves the Lord. And uh, would you do me a favor and put your hands together and welcome Alistair Geddes.
1: That was me he was talking about. Wasn't that good? I couldn't have written this. I couldn't have written it better if I, if I had tried. That was wonderful uh this, for the last, I don't know how many years, is it 14, Jimmy? How long is it? We, uh, 13 or 14 years that uh, I've walked it, with your pastor and with the leadership here, and it's just been an amazing blessing to me. He, Sean seems to think it's all a blessing to him, but when you get to my age, just, just being here is a blessing. I mean… <laughs> I mean It's it's been a blessing to me over and over again to share in the journey of Coastal. And I tell you, without any fear of contradiction, that you have got a wonderful church here. You have a, a, a stable church. You have a church that believes in truth. You have a church that is financially accountable. You have a church that has got good eldership leadership. You've got a church with a wonderful executive team. Joy and Andrew and Bethany, dear Bethany, she had to have been gone by now because she sat in the first two services while I was here, um, but Bethany and Andrew, and, and your senior pastor, Sean, he, we, we talk almost every week. We Skype together from Florida to, to here, and I know about his family, some of his children are here, and things I know about them, and, uh, uh, Josh and Caleb. <laughs> Um, and, and we just have that, that wonderful fatherly relationship like a son, the spiritual. The Bible says you've got many counselors but few fathers. And I want you, particularly those of you who have perhaps not been here earlier on and who've just come and you, maybe you don't know me, um, I'm, no big, I'm no big hero. I'm just, I'm just a guy that wants to journey with Jesus. And I, I do want you to know, though, that this church is solid, I love your pastor, I think you've got, I think, I've, I've been for 50 years, walked in God, and I've seen pastors all over the world, and I've seen churches all over the world, in Africa, and in Europe, and in America. And what you have got here is exceedingly special. Now, I say that because you may not see it. I see it so that you can see it and say, wow, that is that really the case? Yes, it is. And you have got something very special here. And I applaud your church, your elders and your team and your pastor. It's, it's a great joy to be a part, to partner with you and to see what God is doing here. And it's just wonderful. So, I, I, and you know what? It's just beginning. God is on the move here and it's just beginning. And so it's very, very exciting to us. Now, he left a card up here for me. <laughs> This is the third service. Now, my wife, he, nice to have my wife here in the third service, and Jimmy and Patsy are our, our very special friends, one of your elders here. They've been with me in, in Africa in India uh, and all over the place. We've been all over Europe together. We've, we, we're friends on a, on a personal basis as well as church basis, and we, we mentor one another. So, that's the relationship I have, and My dear wife is here with me in the third service this morning. Now, what she doesn't know that I'm about to spring on her is that we are going to partner with the church. Is that all right, dear? (laughs) It's too late. I did it in the first two services as well. (laughs) But, Sean, it's not the third time I'm signing this thing, just once. Three services, but one offering from us, all right? But that's how much we believe in the church, Amen. is that we can not only come and have, have this honor of standing before you, but also be a, participate with you in whatever that you do. Uh, the first service, I stood up there, and Sean moved me down because there's two lines up there. He, and he said to me in the first service, he said, you can't step out of these lines or the people won't see you on the screens. I said, oh, I don't like that, Sean. But after the second service, he said, you can move down now. So I like this better because I can pick on people. <laughs> there was a guy sitting right where you're, right here on the second service called Aubrey, and he got—he I was, I was picking on him. So you might get picked on. So I'm, th- a couple of things have changed. I came from there down to here. And then in the first service, I had a lapel mic. And I, this is the first time I put one of these on my head, these things here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I mean, I just learned about iPhones and all of this. No, I'm really pretty cool, though, I can tell you. I, 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 but I, I put this thing on my hair. If you've never worn one of these, and I suppose 90, most of you have not, they feel very strange. And I like, to, I'm trying to grow my hair out. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be so cool that I actually, it's his son, Josh, who's got all this hair. I just want to be like Josh with all that hair hanging down and everything like that. And, and I'm trying, but the real reason why I'm being like that is because I wanted to cover my ears because they're so big. <laughs> but now I know why I got my ears. It's to put this thing on here. 71 years afterwards, I've got, I've got ears that… and knocked my bread over. I've got, I, I'm able to have ears that can take this thing on my head anyway, so that's the good news. Anyway, it's good to be with you this morning. I want us to look in the Scriptures today, Exodus chapter 17. And as you can see, I've got a couple of props here. I've got a loaf of bread and I've got a jug of water. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. In Exodus, the 17th chapter, let me give you a little bit of a background history uh, here where where we're picking up in our Scriptures, if if I can do that. This This is the children of Israel... If you go back into the chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, in chapter 14, the children of Israel cross the Red Sea on their way to the promised land. And they're being delivered by Moses into their new life. They've been in in captivity for years, and the treatment that they received when they were in, in, in captivity was horrendous. They were slaves, they were beaten. They received terrible treatment. They were abused. They, they they were just second-class citizens. They just had no life at all. And then they come, comes the time of deliverance. And Moses is God's mouthpiece and God's servant. And God, Moses takes the rod and he separates the sea. And ultimately, they get freed and they get liberated. And God was with them. In Exodus chapter 17, when we pick it up there, they're across the the Red Sea, they're on their journey, they're in the desert, and these wretched people, they had seen the power of God at work. They'd seen God, the plagues had taken place, they just visualized and saw that they had got over the Red Sea on dry ground, and that the chariots and Pharaoh were washed into the sea, And they were delivered, and and they saw these powerful miracles and this powerful stuff going on. But immediately they get across there. They start singing. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. They're very victorious. They're upbeat. But not days later, they are complaining, and they are mad, and they are angry at Moses because they don't have provisions for their lives. They saw it all but somehow they didn't experience really what God was trying to do in their lives. And so we pick up this story. And I want to read in Exodus chapter 17, the first uh, six or seven verses there in Exodus 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Now, here's here's the story. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel, quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? If I was to pause there for a moment, you've seen all of the hand of God. You've seen the mighty deeds that God has done for you. We just went through all of this. Do you not realize that I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that doth provide for you? We're not talking about years in the wilderness. We're talking about a couple of days here and there. And you don't recognize? Why do you put God to the test? Verse 3 But the people were thirsty for water, they were overwhelmed with this thirst for water. And they grumbled against Moses, and they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? You know, they would have died in, they would have died in Egypt. They didn't remember they were beaten with, 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 with ropes and all the rest of it. They were beaten. They had to make these, these, these um, rocks for the, for the buildings, and yet they had forgotten that. And Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out and the people will drink. So Moses did this in the sight of all the elders. Here was the time of God's provision for them. They they were not recognizing from their past and their history, they didn't recognize that the presence of God was still with them. They thought God was coming and God was going, but here God was with them and Moses provided the water. He went, he struck, he took the same rod or staff that he had to separate the Red Sea and he hits the rock and out of it comes the water for them. These wretched people who were filled with complaining, who had seen that God at work, could not accept that God was still at work and that God was still able to touch and still able to work in their lives. Now, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm really going to focus this morning on two two particular passages of Scripture. One is from Exodus 17, the other is actually from Exodus 16, and then here on on the water issue, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And here's what Paul the Apostle is saying here as he writes to this to the Corinthian church. He's sort of capsulating and going back into the history of Israel as he reviews the cloud and, and that they were, that they they had with them. The children of Israel had the, had the presence of God as they came, when they came into the wilderness and they came into the desert, the, the presence of God manifest himself in many ways to them. Sometimes they recognized it, but most of the time they did not recognize it. And in guiding them through the wilderness, they had a pillar of a cloud that went with them by the day, protecting them from the sun. And then they had a pillar of fire at night, which would give them light for their journey. God went before them. God was with them and guiding them the whole way. And this is what Paul is, remind, is trying to bring together in our thinking and in our teaching as he's teaching the Corinthian church. He's correlating and linking something that happened many th- years before, thousands of years before, and he's bringing it into the church at Corinth. And this is what he's saying. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, church of Corinth, on the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, here, here's the key to this thing. Look, look at this carefully with me for a moment. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this text spoken to you in this way ever before. I doubt it because when I saw this, it sort of it, it began to change me. I began to read that very Scripture, and it says there, for they drank from the spiritual rock that the King James says followed them, the NIV says accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Now, undoubtedly, there is, there is Christ reveals Himself in the Old Testament, which is thousands of years before when He came, but He was there. The, the, the Trinity or the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit didn't just start when Jesus came. The presence of Jesus, in, in, although it wasn't in human form, was there in the Old Testament, as was the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. The difference between the, the work of the Spirit in the Old Covenant and the work of the Spirit in the New Covenant was the Spirit of God in the Old Covenant came and or upon them or was with them but not in them. You can read time and time again in the Scriptures that the Spirit of God came on them or came with them, but not in them. That when Jesus came and, and, and John 3, then the Spirit came in them. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And here they are. That Here they are. It, what, what we're seeing here is that the spiritual rock that accompanied them, first of all, it was a rock and out came the water. They were thirsty, Moses tapped the water, tapped the rock, out came water, they drank. They got that. What they didn't get, and what Paul is revealing to us, that they didn't get was that the rock was not only a natural Element for them to enjoy, their, to, to quench their thirst. But the rock was a spiritual rock. That's what Paul says. It was a spiritual thing. There was a spiritual application to that rock. And secondly, what they didn't get was that that rock accompanied them. That rock went everywhere that they went. Just the same way as the cloud and the fire and the pillar of them. So did the rock. Now, don't ask me how it happened. All I'm reading is what what Paul says in the book of Corinthians. The rock that accompanied them. Wherever they went, the water went with them. And God supplied for them wherever they went. And it was a spiritual experience. They got got the natural fact of the water, but they didn't get the spiritual part of the the water and the application. They didn't see Christ in the rock, and they missed his presence in that regard. And then... In, in, in Exodus, it also says, over in Exodus chapter 16, that, that God provided manna for them. You remember in Exodus chapter 16, they, they were hungry, and they had nothing to eat. And God sent down manna from heaven for them, and they ate, and they were filled. Interestingly enough, you know what the Bible says, that that manna... That, that provision for them, it, the, the word manna means, what is it? What is it? It, wasn't, it obviously wasn't like a loaf of bread like this. It was different to this. and It was probably little flakes and, and, and so forth, but it was, it was what is it? it? They didn't really know what it was, but it was God's bread to provide for them in their time of need, and God provided it, the, that manna, and He provided the, the water for them to drink. But it says in in Exodus chapter 16 that what they were eating was spiritual bread. It was also their provision, but it was also a spiritual experience. God, in Exodus 16, provides the manna for them. Now, if you look, we've already taken Exodus 17 and the water, and, and we've had 1 Corinthians 10 with Paul and the rock accompanying them. Well, if you see in John chapter 6, Jesus picks up the story of the bread like this. He says in John chapter 6, verses 32 through 35, he says, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the bread from heaven and gives life to the world. Then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He is equating the bread from heaven of the manna from back in the day of Exodus 16 with who He is. He says, I am the bread of life. And then he goes on to say, more, even more poignantly, in verse 41 of, of John chapter 6, he says, I, this is what Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven for you. I am the bread that came down from heaven for you. Jesus is saying this of what happened thousands of years earlier in the wilderness. His presence was there. His presence was with them in the wilderness, they just didn't see it. In, in, the, sermon, in, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the, in the prayer of Jesus, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, He says, give us this day our daily bread. In the Old Testament, Jesus, when he said that, is probably thinking to himself, back in the day when God provided the manna into the wilderness, Jesus probably reflecting back and saying, oh yes, Father God, when he gave you the bread back there, you know what he said, boys? To, the, to, to our ancestors, the Israelites, you know what he said? He said, go and pick it up every day. If you leave it on the ground, it will, maggots will get into it and it will rot. Only one day at a time, sweet Jesus, just one day at a time. And they had to gather it up every day. And Jesus is here standing in the Sermon on the the Mount, and He's saying, give us this day, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. They recognized the natural, but they didn't recognize the supernatural. They recognized that water came from the rock. They didn't realize that what it was all about was a spiritual journey for them. They didn't realize that the Spirit of Jesus was in that rock and the Spirit of Jesus and the Spirit of God was there because Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that the rock had a spiritual significance and so did the bread. Jesus was present in the old covenant and he says, I am that bread that came down from heaven for you. You know, folks, they didn't recognize the presence of Jesus. And so much of the church today, we can be, we can come to church, we can be here Sunday by Sunday, but miss Jesus. We can hear about him. We can believe, but not really apply his presence and see the spiritual significance of who He is in our lives and on our journey. We rebel. We can see the hand of God. We can see, the, we can see miracles. We can see things that God does. We can see that God is in it, but we're still on the sidelines, I, right here at Coastal. I mean, as I've watched the journey of Coastal Church from the time we were in the gymnasium and it was hundred people until now, we have what we have here, and see how it's built, how God, what God is at work. I can see God at work but I realized that I want to be part of that. I want to be, I want to see the spirit of God at work, not just buildings. If if this was only about buildings and building out this and building out, Gloucester building out, I am not a part, I mean, I've seen many churches just build buildings for the sake of buildings. This coastal is not about that. This coastal is about the spirit of what God can do in the lives of people. And I can tell you that I want to be a part of that. Amen. (laughs) The trouble is that sometimes, like the children of Israel, they were limiting God. They were putting God in their own box. And let me tell you, I've done that in the past. It's not worth it. God will not be put in a box, and God will surprise us every time. The thing that we need to do that they didn't get was recognize it. Recognize that God is at work. Jesus said, I will be with you always. Jesus said, "When two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there." Do you know something, folks? He's here. Amen. This morning. He's here. Now, so there's a difference between knowing he's here. and allowing Him to speak, and for us to be aware of His presence, and and I'll be telling you in a moment to respond to His presence. He's here. This is not about singing and standing up and sitting down, or just giving money. You know what it is? It's about worship. We came this morning to worship Jesus. We are the only faith in the world that still has a king that's alive. And you know, you see, I, when I come here, I'm, a, I'm an, an old gray-haired old man, no, thank you, oh man, what's your name? Brendan. Brendan, oh, Brendan. I'm saying I'm a gray-haired old man and Brendan's going, well, which part? well, at least I am gray-haired, so it must be the old man that you're not worried. I don't care what color it is, as long as I've got it. <laughs> when I come here, look, I could, I could come with a good old three points alliterated sermon, all lined up. No, you've got others that can do that better than I can. I come here to share, share my journey. That's all. I come to share my journey. And I'll tell you what, it's very simple. My journey is very simple, very simple, I can, five words, I want more of Jesus. Amen. Amen. See, this young lady smiled at me, so I got, uh (laughs) uh-oh, how old are you? 16, and you liked that, didn't you? All I want, I'm, I'm 71, and his son who rode in the golf cart with me, and we, we really beat the golf pro, it was amazing. <laughs> That's not true, Pastor, I'm oh, sorry, sorry, Pastor. <laughs> well, in one hole, I, I, I really annihilated Mark Houston, I don't know where he is, but well, man, he, he sorry, I got, I'm getting distracted now. All I want is more of Jesus. I mean, really, I could stop there, right? I mean, that's all. It's that simple. 50 years in knowing Jesus, but still, and, and it's not all been pretty. Some of it's been pretty desert. So I don't stand before you as somebody that had it all together or has got it all together, but I just want more of Jesus. I want His presence. I want to sense Him, to know Him, and to be like Him, and that's all. I'm going to give you six things that you can write down on the presence of, Je- the presence of Jesus this morning. What Number one, the presence of Jesus is when we are born again by the Holy Spirit. That's when we first know His presence. If you're not born again this morning, if you don't know that you need to be born again by the Spirit, if you don't know that we we need our sins taken care of this morning by the precious blood and the only way we can, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, then we don't know the presence of Jesus. And if you're out there this morning and you came by by way of a friend, but something is connecting with you and you say, I want to have the presence of Jesus, then this morning before you leave, go to the chapel, go and find somebody here that says, I want want Jesus in my life. I want to know his presence. And his presence starts when the Holy Spirit comes into you and you're born again by the Spirit of God. Only way. (coughs) A woman there's a story in the Bible, John chapter 4, it's about a woman at a well. If you know the story of the woman at the well, it's a woman, she's a Samaritan woman, and she comes to the well. The disciples had gone for lunch, but Jesus was still on a mission. And a woman came to the well, and she was a Samaritan, and she was a woman, and there was a problem because women didn't speak to men like that in that day, and certainly a Samaritan woman didn't either. So two things happened at the well. Jesus spoke to her first and changed her life because he was a man speaking to a woman. And secondly, so the the barriers of sexism was was taken care of by Jesus in one fell swoop, and so was racism because she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew. And she goes and he says to her, woman, will you get me a drink? Presumably that's what happened, and then she turned, He turns around and, said, and turned around to her and said, "Now, if you knew who was telling you to get me a drink, you would be asking him for a drink. Because the drink, this water that you get out of this well, this water here is going to keep. You're going to have to keep drinking because you'll be thirsty again. But the water that I'll give you, you'll never thirst again because the water that I give you will spring up into eternal life." Jesus only satisfies. That's the drink of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, that's what happens. You're like the woman at the well, and you say, I want a drink from Jesus because he's the only one that will satisfy me and give me eternal life. Second thing is the presence of Jesus does not necessarily mean that we recognize him. The the Pharisees didn't recognize him. He walked with them all the time, and they still didn't recognize Him. They knew who he, they knew about Him, but they couldn't experience Him. They didn't recognize the power and the potential of who Jesus was. And back in the Old Testament there, they didn't recognize Jesus. Israel didn't recognize Him. And many times today, Christians still don't recognize Him. They don't necessarily recognize His presence. After Jesus was crucified, not yet, risen, not yet ascended, he was, he was resurrected but not yet ascended, he was on a journey, and he's walking up the road on, on a way to a, a place called Emmaus. And he meets up with the disciples, and he starts talking to them. They hadn't the foggiest clue who he was. Now, obviously, he had been changed from what he was walking, but they didn't recognize him. And even today in the church, we come Sunday by Sunday, but not really recognizing Jesus for ourselves and who we are in Him. See, when Jesus said, give us today our daily bread, He was virtually saying to the church today, Sundays is not enough. If you're going to live on a Sunday religion and a Sunday faith alone for your your recognition of Jesus, it's not going to cut it. Each one of us has to have a transformation of who Jesus is in our life and recognize His presence before us. I want, what did I start with? I only want more of Jesus. It there, there doesn't cost you anything to have Jesus. It costs you everything to get more of Him. Salvation comes freely. But Jesus will accept 10 percenters, but He wants 100 percenters. The presence of Jesus does not necessarily mean that we recognize Him. Number three, the presence of Jesus is your source of a miracle and provision. Things happen when Jesus is present. You go throughout the Gospels. You go throughout the Gospels, what do you find? Everywhere that Jesus went, something happened. Something happened. Either somebody was healed, or somebody was changed, or something, something happened everywhere that Jesus was. Now, we agreed, did we not, a little earlier, that he's here. Did we agree with that? If that? That's what the Bible says. If we are Bible-believing people, Jesus is here this morning. If he's not here, then what am I doing? It's not whether or not he's here. It's whether or not we've got the, 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 the spirit sensitivity to recognize his presence. When I was a boy growing up, I had, my, my grandmother had one of these old radios, wireless thing, and trying to get this tune in the station. And you had to be so precise to get the, to, to, so that it would, you would hear what you're, what you're trying to get. I mean, sometimes it still happens today. But, and that's the same it is with us. We have to tune our lives so that we can recognize his presence before us. Things happen when Jesus is present. Remember, a, remember the story in the Bible, there was a little boy, he had five loaves and dos fishes. He was just a young lad and what he had in his hands was nothing. There was 5,000 people there, and he had his hands, and there was nothing to do. What he had in his hands was nothing, but when he put it in the hands of Jesus, my man, it transformed everything. Sometimes you may think, "I don't have anything to give." You know what? I don't either. Sean told you I was the president of a Bible Institute. I had professors that were doctorates and goodness knows all what. You know what? I left school when I was 15. I don't know why I'm talking to you, but I mean, you just happen to be sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? This is nothing personal, right? Right, right. right. We, and it's not a setup. You'd think well, I was one of these America's Got Talent things or something, you know? <laughs> and you know what? I, 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 I don't either. I'm hiring professors. I'm hiring the professors to teach. I was then teaching that school, doctors and this, that, and the other, and I have no education, and I'm the, I'm the boss, right? You know why? Because nothing in the hands of Jesus will accomplish whatever God wants. And, and so Jesus takes the loaf and the, and the fishes and he feeds everybody, because somebody was willing to give up what they had to gain what Jesus wanted. Everybody here this morning has a genius within them. You've got something. You've got something that God wants. Every one of you. Your small groups need it. Your church needs it, and most of all, Jesus wants it. And what this this message today is, to calling, calling, calling that forward in Jesus' name. What is His presence? What does it mean to you? What is Jesus saying to you? Do you recognize Him? Number four. See, you're the last service. <laughs> <laughs> somebody said to me just before the service you can take all the time you want it wasn't pastor though <laughs> <laughs> number four the presence of Jesus requires a response the, re- the presence of Jesus requires a response there's a, a scripture in, in Luke chapter 7 verse 36 let me read it to you Here, here's the story a Pharisee asked Jesus a Pharisee one of these religious guys he was after something, but it wasn't after Jesus. He just wanted to invite Jesus so he could make a fool of him or something. Anyway, he invited Jesus to dinner, and Jesus went. Here's a statement I love. I made it myself. <laughs> Jesus went where nobody else would ever go. Jesus went where no one else would dare to go. That's what I love about coastal. You're going, you're, lots and more things happening when you're going to places and doing things where others are not doing it. And Jesus went where others didn't go. He went to the Pharisee's house and he got to the table when a woman who had lived a sinful life, either she was a prostitute, whatever she did, she had lived a sinful life in that town and she brought her famous alabaster box of perfume. Her, she brought her worldly wealth, wealth and she stood behind Jesus and she began to weep. She began to weep. When was the last time you or I wept in the presence of Jesus. She began to weep. She, weep. she wept so much that she washed his, her feet, his feet, with her hair. As the Pharisees sat there like this, and this is my thought aloof, disconnected, not in it, observing. Unwilling to change. Uncomfortable. Unimpressed. And they, were, they said that G- the Pharisees were indignant and angry, and Jesus pointed out to them, and they did not do anything for him, and that's what he said to them. You did nothing for me, he said to the Pharisees, but this woman, this sinner, met me, and it changed her life. And then he says, to whom much is forgiven, to whom much is forgiven, those who are forgiven much love much. Number five, the presence of of Jesus changes our circumstances. Anyone who met Jesus was transformed. I was transformed, and I'm still being transformed. I still want the transformation of Jesus day by day in my life. I still desire that. Remember, there's a little man up a tree. He was so small, he had to go up a tree to see Jesus. At least he, went, at least he wanted to see Jesus. He, wanted, he, he had a problem, and he wanted to see Jesus. His name was Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, and he, he, he was a thief because he, he would charge extra money and pocket it from the taxes that he was collecting. But you know what? Jesus walked not And Jesus says to the little fella, come on down. Today I'm going to be with you. Can you imagine? This is Jesus. And Jesus took time with a guy with the name Zacchaeus who was a thief. And he said, hey, buddy, come on down. It sounds like Price is Right or something. Come on down. I'm coming to have lunch with you at your place. But the story doesn't tell us a whole lot, but we know one thing that Zacchaeus was transformed and changed because he gave back all that he had stolen. Jesus changes the circumstances. There was a woman, in John chapter 8, there's a woman who was caught in adultery, you remember that, and Jesus, the, the, the Pharisees were there, and she, Jesus said, what's, what's the problem, and, and have they accused you, and, and, and all the rest of it, and Jesus just wrote in the sto, on the stone, why don't you call her out, they said to Jesus, and He just wrote down in the sand, He and then He said, he who is without sin, you, you cast the first stone, and they left because they were, in the the presence of Jesus, their imperfection, their life, was nothing. And Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery, He said, did they not condemn you? And she said, no, sir. And He said, now it didn't stop here, though, neither do I, Go and sin no mas. No more. And she did. And she was transformed. Her circumstances changed by the presence of Jesus. You know what? There are many things that we put into our lives that block us from the presence of Jesus. I'm going to call out a few things right now because it concerns me in our nation the prevalence of pornography and how that is ruining the, the minds of men and women and, and it's so prevalent so accessible it breaks my heart because it's very difficult to know the presence of Jesus when you've got that going on in your life And He wants to set you free. That's what He said. He said, I came to set the prisoners free. Anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, all these things will stop the flow of God. You see, the the last point I make, and it it leads into this, the last point is the presence of Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit, really. Because in in John chapter 4, Jesus goes to that woman and He said, the woman at the well in John chapter 4, He said, the drink that I'll give you is eternal life. In John chapter 7, He does it a little bit differently. It's at the Feast of Tabernacles. It's at the close of the feast. And in John chapter 7, 37 through 39, he he, he he, He says to them, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me streams of living water will flow from within him, and by this he meant the Holy Spirit. See, we were never meant to be a cup of water where Jesus comes and lives in in John John chapter 4. We we were meant that now that we've got Jesus in our lives and that the presence of God is at work within us and Jesus came and transformed us We're meant to, we're meant, John chapter 7, out of you shall flow streams of living water. We're not supposed to be at this end, we're supposed to be at that end, where we are, But we have become the conduit to others of His presence and of His power and of His love and of His mercy and of His grace. You see, over here, it stays stagnant, and stagnant water is stale water, and stale water stinks after a while. I remember a pond in my hometown back in Scotland many years ago had a nice river, but it had a pond, and the pond was always had rubbish in it. And the things that we hide in our lives, the little foxes that spoil the vine, cause us to, to retain the water. We have a property in Portsmouth actually that we rent, and it had a problem with its with this with sewage backup. Got a plumber out, and the, the there was a, a root of a tree had grown into the had grown into the pipe, and caused the backup. And little things that get into our lives cause backup. It doesn't mean to say that the presence of God is not with us; that Jesus doesn't want to touch us. That w- w- yes, He will. He is with us, but He wants us to have his fullness so that we can not retain the holy spirit but that we can release the holy spirit and that's what he's talking about it's no point in just having your own drink that which is within you that genius that thing that god that god is within you is there for you To be his, in his hands, what God wants for your life. Now, here's the here's the here's the secret, and this is this is we close now closing. There is one prerequisite for it all, and the word is desire. You see, I'm, I, I, I don't know whether, when I'm thirsty. There's times when I'm thirsty, especially after I've played golf or something. I get so blooming thirsty, I can't wait to get a drink. Oh. i just got the desire. I've got to have the desire. I've got to have it. And you know, the psalmist in Psalm 42 says this. He says, As the deer pants for the water, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts after you, O Lord. Simple question. Is that your position this morning? If not, why not? Jesus is calling you this morning to a new place. Make the decision. Get your thirst quenched. And let the river flow. And together we journey to be like Jesus. That's all. Now, how do I end this service? I don't know. One last thought. How do we get you, 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 without picking on anybody, how do we get from this point this morning to the transformation in your own life? As a, as a pastor, as pastors, one of the biggest problems, not a problem, but one of the, our, our biggest challenge is to come and speak week after week and perhaps not see the, the, the change that we so desire for your life. And if you've been touched by God this morning in any way, I'm going, to, I'm going to have a prayer just for all of us. You're going to respond in your own seat and where you are. And you're going to say yes I don't know where it's all going to, but this morning, I want to recognize the presence of Jesus in my life, and I want to make the response that you want me to make, and I'm going to this week consider it, and I'm going to pray about it, and I'm going to see what God does in my life, and I want to make a new start here, and I want to start getting more. I'm, I'm thirsty. I desire you, Lord, and I want to see the flow of your Spirit come through my life. And if that that should be that should be all of us. I mean, I'm, this is not an, this is not an emotional appeal or something. This is all of us. I want I want that. Lay hands on myself. <laughs> I want that. So that I want that for you, and God wants that for you as well. So we're going to. Uh, um, Nate, can you just pray something qu- just just a little quietly then, since this dear lady helped me come out with you, come come to your sponsor. Nate came with us to Zimbabwe, so I know him a little bit. So let's just, let's, let's together with me, let's bow our heads. And after this, I'll just, I'll close in prayer and you're free to go. But just for the next moment, let's make a choice to follow Jesus and see his presence in a new way this morning. Lord Jesus, you are here with us and, in our, and we are in your presence. We recognize you we want you. We want your promises to be yea and amen in our lives and we trust you for them. Touch me, Lord. I want to be made new. I want to be refreshed this morning. And he who refreshes others is is himself refreshed. And so, Lord, we, we make a commitment right now to be refreshed by your presence and to say, Lord Jesus, I love you and I want more of you this morning. And if I've never invited you into my heart and into my life for the first time, I do so right now. Take away my sin. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I confess to you and I'm taking that drink that leads to eternal life. Come, Lord Jesus as I invite you in by your Holy Spirit into my life right now. And I pray this, and we all pray it together, because we want more of you, Lord Jesus. Amen.